Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Okay. All right, so um, I'd like to get started on my message today, and um, I, just, I just want to say this as we open up. To me, the greatest opportunity we have in life is to serve God in His house. And uh, somebody came up to me yesterday and said, do you do things in companies and business? And the reason, first reason is I'm just too busy with church life. But, you know, for me personally, working with the people who volunteer to make God's kingdom great is the greatest privilege and honor you've got. And uh, you guys have jobs, and you work hard, and you've got family and life and stuff, but you turn up every Sunday to help us reach the lost and to make an impact on the world. And for me, that's a wonderful privilege. So more power to you as volunteers and those of you who come regularly to this church and give regularly to this church. Next week, you have the opportunity to sow one of the biggest sacrificial, I think it should be too, financial seeds into the life of the church to keep things, and it shouldn't be really that sacrificial seed, shouldn't be really just to make things work. It should be to do the extra things the church is called to do. So you should sow that seed knowing this is to help us go to another level. Your tithes help the things run. Our offerings are the overflow that we can give to certain projects needs at the time. And our sacrificial giving helps us take it to another level. Next week, that's what it's about. And you've got Julian back again. He's another bad coin that turns up all the time too, isn't he? Every year, we follow each other up. Um, Julian Melfi, great guy. If you haven't heard Julian speak, well, you don't really want to. But no. <laughs> Julian is an amazing... He's known around the globe, actually, in the places I go, of this amazing man with faith for building some properties and the things he's doing in uh, London are outstanding. People talk about it globally. So you need to come and hang out with Julian. You've got a great opportunity when you meet Julian, for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that we know about the Christian faith is, of course, is that the greatest thing about the Christian faith is who Jesus is. His character, his life, what he modeled for us. More importantly, what he did for us. Isn't it amazing when you think that today we can enjoy all the benefits of life, but also eternity as well, based on Jesus' commitment in death and, of course, resurrection to, to provide for us a way to God. That's to me, is outstanding. But, of course, lots of religions have this concept of finding your way to God through maybe religious practice or certain types of thinking or whatever it might be. So all of them push a theme of finding God or being in relationship with God, but Christianity is the only religion in the world that goes one step further and says because of what Jesus did on the cross, a deposit of the living God now comes and dwells in you. No other religion in the world states that. New Age talks about God within you, but not through the sacrifice of one man. It's just a philosophy about the... It's almost like a religious humanism. But Christianity says you're devoid of God's presence. Jesus came, lived, died on a cross, and now because of that, the purity and the goodness and the greatness of the living God now lives in you. And that deposit 
secures a place in eternity. That deposit is a little taste of what it's going to be like. That deposit is a down payment on the future. That's different. No other, no other religion in the world says that. But here's the thing. That's great news. That is good news. But here's the thing. After many years, now I've been a Christian well over 40 years, and of course the people you grew up with or became Christians with in, the, in, in those days, some of them are not in the faith anymore. And that intrigues me. Well, I, I can't say they're not in the faith. They're maybe not in church anymore. One of the things I've noticed about a lot of people in time is that they lose the power of that deposit in their life. The spirit-filled life, you might say. They're sort of Christian by the fact that Jesus redeemed them, but there's something lacking in the filling or the overflowing of that spirit of God in their life. Are you keeping up? So they've got the work of it, but not the action of it. And they had it when they started, but something, they, they are leaking Christians. Leaking Christians. The, the spirit is leaking out. And before long, they run on empty. Yes? Have you run on empty? Well, you've been leaking. So you get to a good meeting and get topped up again, in a way. What I want to talk to you about today, though, is what does Paul say, the Scriptures say, about sustaining a Spirit-filled life for all of your life? That's my message today. Sustaining a Spirit-filled life. To avoid leaking and running on empty is a contemporary one. So I'm going to break down some verses that Paul wrote about this. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 15, if you want to, you can follow on the screens. If, you, if you'd like, you can look them up in the Bible just to make sure they are actually there. He starts off by saying this first. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. I love the way the Bible still uses the words fools because we're not allowed to say those things anymore. They're, very un- uh, they're not PC. Can't call somebody a fool. But Paul is saying here it's a foolish thing to not work, walk circumspectly in this world. Now, the word circumspectly is quite interesting because it means like a cat on broken glass. You know, if you watch a cat walk on hot tin roof or broken glass, puts its paw down and it senses what's going on around it before it makes its next step. Many people today don't understand what's happening in their world and don't sense what's going around and put their paw into stuff they should never touch. And they have become unwise. It says quite clearly, see then that you walk circumspectly because these days, it says in the next verse, redeeming, actually let's move to the next word, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So you walk circumspectly because the days are evil. I don't know about you, but when I became a Christian, 74 it was, I thought the days were pretty screwed up, to be honest. I I, I couldn't get it. You know, we had all sorts of issues going on. Um, uh, You know, the drug generation and all this sort of thing. But in 2018, would you believe when you open a newspaper or an app to watch the news, what stuff is happening there. And you read it, I don't know about you, maybe I'm just, maybe the younger people just take it for granted. That's just our life. Maybe you do. But I, I look at it and think, the time is so short. And we have to redeem the time back because it is so short. And I think it's, a, it's an amazing day. So we have to walk circumspectly in the days we live because the times are evil. 
If you don't know that about life, then you're not going to sustain a Christian, a good spiritual life. If you, now, I'm not talking about my days or these, but out there, you walk carefully. You don't just jump into stuff. You're careful what you walk into. You're careful what you get involved in. You tread like cat on a broken glass. The next verse says this, and I think it's first. I'd like you to leave them up if you can on the screen each time so that, so that they're there. It says this, and do not be drunk with what? Is that the next one? I think there's one before that, isn't there? Yes, do not do Okay, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is interesting because he's just explained the times we live in. He's explained how you walk in these times. So to give you perspective on spirit-filled life, understand the days you're living in. If you want to retain a spirit-filled life, understand the days you're living in. That there's things out there, you you know, take social media. It's, It's great to be on social media, but you better understand the platform of what that thing is doing in the world before you get so engrossed in it that it sucks out the life of you because you're consumed by how many like or don't like your Facebook page or is that Instagram? doesn't matter. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, how can you sustain a spirit-filled life when you're wondering about the times we live in when you should be redeeming time? Now, then he says this, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. But Now, this is an interesting verse, and I'll tell you why, because we've often read this wrong, I think. Well, I know we have. It says, do not be drunk with wine. Now, that's what you do when the days are evil and you can't cope. Let's, let's take that further and say, when you can't cope with the days you're living in, you will take artificial substances to keep you happy. Is that a good way of saying, so do not be drunk with wine. Well, that could be tablets, pills, things you do in life to boost your sense of fulfillment because the spirit is leaking. So you take some artificial supplements to make life good. Now, that artificial supplement can be Anything, ladies and gentlemen, bad, wrong relationships. It can be things we do in life that are not healthy for us. So he's saying here, do not be drunk with wine. Don't go into the stuff that helps you feel happy, but actually it's very short term, in which is dissipation, which means out of control, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's my point. But be filled with the Spirit. I like this because do not be drunk with wine. Which is dissipation out of control, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, if you're not careful, you can play the game on this one that goes like this. Oh, that's going back to the book of Acts. They thought they were drunk when they got filled with the Spirit. So Christians who are filled with the Spirit act like drunk people. They're always, you know, happy, and the Toronto thing came and all of that was all wonderful. Yeah, I'll tell you why the Toronto thing was so powerful, if you remember those things, those days of the joy of the Lord. It's because we were so unhappy. In fact, it was so bad that not even the Holy Spirit wanted to come to church. So I started to loosen things up here a bit. So we had a move of God of laughter and joy because we didn't get the, the spirit-filled life. You know, the interesting thing is that verse does not confirm what it's saying in Acts. It's actually doing an opposite in the Greek. It's saying this. This is what it says. Do not be drunk in wine, which causes you to be out of control, but when you're filled with your spirit, you're back in control. It's an opposite. See, the issue of the spirit-filled life is control. In the middle of the gift of the spirits is self-control. When I was not a Christian, age 17, my life was out of control. I met Jesus, got filled with the spirit, and guess what happens first up? I get control back again. I'm meant to have control over my thought life through the power of the spirit, over my emotional life through the power of the spirit, over my time 
through the power of the Spirit, over my energy levels, through the power of the Spirit, over my finances, through the power of the Spirit, I get control back again. I'm not out of control, I'm in control because the deposit of the living God is now in me. When a life is out of control, you've leaked. When there's stuff you can't control, the Spirit is not dominating. This is good preaching. You may not be listening as good as I'm preaching, but I'm preaching good. Are you keeping up? So this whole idea of Paul's is understand the days, work from the days you live in, be careful that you're not consumed by artificial things to keep you happy. And then he goes and says this. This is the next thing he says. Do you know you've missed a verse, guys? There's a verse missing in that. Do you all know that, don't you? If you're following your Bible, there's a verse missing. Anybody got which one it is? Go back over all the verses. I know what happened here. We cut and pasted and we missed a paste on one. The Jesus thing here has got it. Go back one more. That's the one we missed. I want to do that one because we missed it, but it came before the other one we just did. So that was my fault, I guess. But look at this. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you don't understand what God's will is, you will drink or take up artificial substances to fulfill the purpose that God has put in your life. One of the things about sustaining a spiritual life is being in his will. When you're in his will, you're safe. Now, what's interesting about the language of Paul in this writing is the will of God is not feeling-based. It is mind-based. Understand, know, wisdom. Those are the words he uses. What's interesting about us is our view of the will of God is feeling-based. I felt, God said, is the wrong language. Because as you know today, feelings are more important than fact. The generations coming through today have a feeling-based lifestyle, and they'll say, you watch it in politics and all of this now, what I feel is more true than the data. So if your understanding of God's will is based on your feeling, guess what? And this is what happens. This is the language of that feeling-based will of God is, I felt God said to me to do such and such and such and such. You meet the person three months later and they're doing something completely different because they felt God say something completely different. Actually, what we have to do is know, understand, and be wise about the will of God. How do I know the will of God? How do you know the will of God? It's called the Bible. And the Bible superintends itself above all other methods of God's will or voice in our life. It is more powerful in terms of an authority than even the voice of God in you because the voice of God in you must submit to the word of God, the scripture. What we do is we turn it around the other way and we do whatever we like based on our feeling, yeah, then find later on it didn't work and so we've gone back to foolishness again. So because it doesn't work, we end up doing what I said before, getting drunk with wine or taking artificial stimuli because the will of God doesn't work. I tried it. Well, just live by the scripture. Just live by the word of God. Somebody said to me, how can I hear the voice of God? How can I hear him speak to me? I said, read the Bible out loud. (laughs) That's pretty easy. But they were going to go to a French monastery and sing Kumbaya, pick fluff out of their belly button, you know, light candles, to hear the voice of God. Just read it out loud, and you're hearing God's. If, if Jesus came again to this earth in 2.18, 
Guess what you get? You still get scripture in writing. Wouldn't be a DVD, wouldn't be a hologram. It would be written because it's contractual. The written word is contractual. It's a contract made. And it's called God's. Well, I've got to get moving. Are you keeping up? It sort of went a bit around the place because we lost some verses there, but I think you're getting my gist. Now I want to know, with all of that background, how Paul says we sustain long-term a spiritual life without leaking and therefore running on empty. And that's what he starts into the next verse after the drunk with wine one. So here's what he says. Here's how you do it. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Let's leave that on the screen for a while. This really amazes me because the first thing Paul comes up with on after all of that is the, the voice, the way you say things, who you say it to. Sing to one another. Now, you don't want me singing to you, trust, trust me. But you want to hear a singing voice, don't you, when you meet me? Hello? You don't want me to sing to you because it's horrible, but you want to hear a singing voice when you meet me. You don't want me to have a melancholy tune. You want me to have a merry tune, which didn't come from drinking too much wine, by the way, but came from the Spirit of God in you. It's amazing how many Christians justify, believe, and sustain a life on misery and depression and bad living and think it's okay. I want to be authentic. Well, I'll tell you what's authentic. Singing, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and making melody in your heart. That's being authentic. Now, here's what's interesting. Those three things mean three different things. Those three words. Psalms are what you make up as a song to the Lord for yourself. That's like David was a psalmist. What did he do? Well, he just sat up on the hills, looking after the sheep, and he starts making up songs. Yep, they became psalms. So, Anyone should be able to, and can psalm, make up songs. Now, the thing about making up songs is that you have to have something as a core base to come from when you make up a song. I was listening to some famous songwriters on a documentary talking about how they write songs. One of them said, actually, he said, songwriting, by the way, can I say this? I personally believe that, to some degree, the poets of today, which are songwriters, are wrecking our lives. They are destroying our lives because they're writing out of really depressed moments in their own life, bringing emotion to it. I mean, you imagine being a non-Christian without the Spirit of God, and you're living this life, you switch on the radio, you hear that bad language coming through, you hear all the stuff that people are singing about there, I lost my wife, I lost my house, I lost my car, I am blue, how about you, let's sing it all together. And then you go down, and you're on your way to work, you go down and you go down, and I don't listen to music with words anymore. I only listen to music without words because the words have influence. And so many people think you can sustain a spirit-filled life listening to words that are destroying that spirit. At least every day. Psalming. So you need a platform. Now, if I said to you, break into groups or on your own and write a psalm, this is what I'd get back on a piece of paper. Hallelujah! Jesus, love you, and then it's flat. It's empty. See, psalming means you have to draw from the stuff that's going on in your life. You have to draw out of your well. You have to draw out of your spirit. And it means going deep into your life 
and talking about the majesty and the goodness of God. When's the last time you saw him? I saw him every day. Shower, start singing a bit. Now, I don't sing out loud because you're in hotels. It's not good. But it's good to do it in your head at least. I'm meant to do it to you, actually. I'm meant to have a song that you want to hear, to be honest. Now, imagine if we did practice that. And I walked in today and I started singing my song. I am living grumpy, you're a mongrel. This is a song. I'm, it's, what's that? You'd say, you need to go get saved, bro. See, your psalm has to come from the well. Now, the next word, I've got to move on. The next word is hymns, which is songs written for corporate singing. We did some hymns today. People say, where are the hymns? Meaning 1850. Well, that's the wrong word for hymn. The word hymn means a song written that we can all sing. If you can't sung, sing, uh, sorry, psalm, at least sing hymns. What I love about some of the global music that's happening today in Christendom is they sing their psalms, or their hymns, I'm sorry, for one year and then stop them, throw them away and start over again. So they only have them for one year. This is awesome. But people say, well, where are the hymns from 1850? Well, let me help you with those hymns. First of all, they don't fit our tone today. Secondly, sometimes the theology is really weird. We complain about our theology today. You think. Thirdly, some of the words I've never heard of before. Font. From the font of, what the heck is a font? You know, and so you've got to have hymns that are relevant to our voice, but come from psalming. This is what you do. So I can get up in the morning, psalm, hymn, drawing from the world. Look what else it is. Spiritual songs. Well, those two should be spiritual. Ah, 1 Corinthians 14 tells me there's a spiritual song that is called singing in tongues. Being Pentecostal, I can use that word here. But he's talked about spiritual songs, which comes from singing in tongues. Where does that come from? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you can't make a psalm up. You can't sing a hymn, but you can at least then start to sing in tongues. Uh, I think it's Jude that talks about singing in tongues builds up your faith, builds your body up, builds who you are up. Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs every day causes you to draw on the well that God has put in you. And I've practiced this pretty much all my life. There's, a, there's moments where you don't and you miss out. And that's usually because the moment has been messed up by some experience. But even through the worst experience, there should be a song that you wake up with on your heart that you're singing. And if you can't write one, if you can't do that, sing in tongues. If you don't know what that is, talk to the pastors. I'll help you with that because it's a biblical idea. Singing and making melody, not melancholy. <laughs> melody in your heart to the Lord. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Here is the first prerequisite of a sustained spiritual life over 50 to 60 years to avoid the leaks and running on empty, make music in your heart, drawing from the deposit you have every day. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing he says in the next verse. He says this. It's the next verse. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things. This is one of my favorite verses. Why? Because when I was a young minister, I planted a church when I was 23. We had our first child, which was about three, four months old. That was Caleb. And I had never been to Bible school. Never. I left school at 14 and a half. 14 and ran down the road and got a job in a construction site. Got saved at 17. By 23, I was running a church. I know. 
This is a terrible thought, isn't it? No idea what I was doing. Nobody trained me in it. And I just had to find my way through it all in those days. That's how he did it. I probably wouldn't recommend that today. But that's how he did it. Well, I was learning all this stuff about, you know, giving thanks. And I started reading because, like everyone else, I was pastoring this church or planting this church. And things kept going wrong. Just not happening. And, but I was learning to give thanks. Giving thanks for all things. Because it's really important to give thanks. Because if you're making melody in your heart, then the thing that affirms that is the way you give thankfulness through all things. If you've learned to give thanks, and this is the hardest thing for every Christian to do. Well, it's the hardest for me is to learn to give thanks for all things. So I'm reading these verses. We had this car. That's in 180B. Have I told you this story? Ever heard this story? I feel like it's deja vu. Anybody heard this story? You probably would know. Oh, you're pregnant. You don't know much at all now. Chaz, you might know. You never listen to anything I say. So, all right. I had to stay, and it kept getting flat tires. I mean, every day. I don't know what it was. Curse of the devil. Who knows? Flat tires. All the air would go to the top, none in the bottom. Yep, thank you, Kevin. And I'd drive down the road to pick up something, flat tire. So I'm, 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 beating, the, I'm beating this car up, you know, kicking the tires, Angry with the car. Isn't it amazing how you speak to these things that are inanimate? If your grass cutter doesn't work in the spring, you start telling what you think of it. You're a stupid lawnmower, you know that? You are rubbish. I'm getting another one. You're dead, man. Doesn't know what you mean. Can't hear you. I don't know why we do that. And I was doing that to the car, you know. And then I remembered these verses, give thanks. Give thanks for all things. Give thanks. So I started to change my tune and said, thank you, Lord. For the flat tire. Thank you, Lord. For that. that was good because I was learning to give thanks. But I had the language wrong because I was giving thanks for something that he didn't do. So I was giving thanks to God for the flat tires. And I heard the Spirit say to me, if you're so happy with one, I can give you three more right now. <laughs> That's true. That's what happened. Because if you read the Colossians passage and this passage and check it out in your Greek concordance, you'll find the word is through or in and not for. Because for attributes the source. And I am not attributing the source to all the rubbish in my life to God. I'm sorry I'm not. I will, though, learn that sourcing something is almost impossible. Is it me, the devil, or God? Forget that. Even Jesus didn't answer those questions. Whose fault is it this man is blind? Is it his parents or his own sin? He says, not even interested really in the source. It's for God's glory. Wow, what a smack in the face. You want a source? Not telling you. That's the funny thing about life. When you get to heaven, that's when you'll find out the sources. And I'll tell you about 98% of the sources of stuff that goes wrong in your life is you. It's called sowing and reaping. Get up and go, what if this would happened? Well, that's because you, oh yeah, radio, that's, that's the wonderful grace part of God, isn't it? You're a load of rubbish, but you're still here. You've made some dumb decisions, but welcome to home. Hello. That's grace. Anyway. So I... Come out, you filthy thing. So I... I started to learn you have to give things, thanks for God, through, in. Because when you learn, like Romans 8.28 says, uh, all things work together for good to them who love God. It doesn't say where they came from. It just says that they will all work together. Now, you package that with thankfulness. 
and you've caught the key to successful Christian living and not leaking. doesn't matter what's happening in my life. I'm never going to source it, but I'll thank God through it, and all things will work together in, in my life anyway. Hello? So I sing and make melody, but I learn to give thanks. So I know you thought being a spiritual Christian was very deep stuff. Very simple stuff. It's the basics of life. Singing, making melody, thanking through. Anyway, we had to go up in this car to a church we planted further up, about two hours up. It was a rainy night. Had the kids, kid in the car, my wife. And on the way up, she said to me, I hope this car doesn't get a flat tire because it always does. And I said, no, well, actually, I bought this can of foam that you can put into the tire, and it pumps it up. You can drive to the service station, get it fixed, you know, up it. She said, that's great. What happens about two minutes later? Bang! Out goes the tire. I pull over into the mud and guck. I'm dressed in a suit in those days. I haven't got a tie anymore. It's great, isn't it? No tie, no suit. I love these days. I love this hangout thing. Just wear hangout clothes. Especially at my age where other things are hanging out anyway. And now you can cover it up with hangout clothes. It's fantastic. So you go, I go there and I, it's all right. I've got this under control. I get out there, flick the tie over this way, shake the can, put it, and nothing happens. And I look, and there's a gash in the tire. And the foam is literally going through the tire, out the gash, and falling on the mud. So we had to, can you imagine, in the mud with the kid, kid there, and you're going to church. So we're late by now. We get up to the church. It's a tiny church, about 30 then. We get up there, and uh, all the people are there. We're late. They've sort of done everything. Oh, you still came? Yeah, of course, we're coming. We want to hang out with you guys. And I said, look, what we've done is we've done a whistle around, and we've got an envelope for you. And in here is enough money to buy the very best tires you can buy. You're not to spend this on anything but tires for your car. That's all you do. And there was hundreds of dollars in there. You know, I got great tires. Anyway, coming back, I said to my wife, back to the, the town, I said to my wife, isn't it great that the tire went flat on the way up, and not on the way back? Otherwise, we wouldn't have this envelope. <laughs> all things work together for good to them who love God. Learn to sing and make melody every day. Have a song that's yours. Don't listen to the song of the poets who are actually messing people's lives. I don't know about you, but this is my subtle thought. That people who struggle in the secular world with certain issues, one day God will show that it was linked to the stuff they listen to. Every single day, they'll dribble the rubbish, the stuff that's pouring out of these poets into the world, and we all think it's called great music. Well, I'm going to help you here. The words are nonsense. As a spiritual believer, I want to psalm, hymn, sing biblical songs, give thanks. And then lastly, it says this one. Got to finish now. It says this one. Submit to one another in the fear of God. Now, here's, all of this text actually has talked about you and me, how we appropriate. Here's, here's the thing. Watch this. You cannot be a long lasting, spirit-filled Christian that doesn't leak if you've got issues with other people, if there's unforgiveness. It's impossible. That one should be first. The other two are easy. This one's hard. Submitting to one another, getting it sorted. Jesus said, the church, uh, you know, is the greatest thing ever at Matthew 16. I will build my church, Matthew 18. When you get together, you'll have fights. So what you do is you sort it out face-to-face. And then you take a witness, and then you take it to the church. Only two times I used the word. One was macro level, change the world. 
Second one was micro level. You're going to fight with each other. But here's how you fix it. Yep, didn't think that would go down too well. <laughs> but the truth is, I've been in Pentecostal churches around the globe who are trying to make change and grow. They pray in the cellar. They pray on the rooftop. They pray with the shofar. They pray with the flags. They curse the devil. They, they blame God. They blame themselves. And they're wanting to grow their church, but they hate each other. That one doesn't talk to that one. That one hasn't spoken to that one for 30 years. That one doesn't. This one sits over there. When that one walks in, that one does And you think, guys, you've got to get the fundaments right before you even start this prayer meeting. Jesus said that, didn't he? If you've got something against your brother, when you come to the older, go and fix it up before you bring it to the older. So go and sort it out. Listen, I'm going to help you here. You want to sustain a solid, spirit-filled life. It starts with understanding that we've got a commission by God to sort this way out too. And make sure we have short accounts. People talk about short accounts with God. I like that idea. But I reckon we need short accounts with people. Now, that doesn't mean everyone should be trustworthy and in your life and everyone's a genius in your life, that you're not making them more than they ought to be. But one thing's for sure. I don't want to be the person that carries around the rubbish of a problem of a relationship that's not working. Oh. So how do we not leak and sustain a, a, a great life of the deposit of God that's in us. Watch the days you live in. Walk like a cat on a hot tin roof. Understand that the will of God is the way you think. Be careful of taking supplements of any type that sustain you through difficult times. Sing and make melody in your heart every day. Give thanks through all things and work together to make sure you have peace with one another. You can do this for another 70 years. It's not that hard. Pastor, I just feel I need another touch of God. I just feel I need to get down and go to a French monastery and pray and seek God. I just feel I need another experiential moment. Those are good things and they're essential, but I'm going to help you here. One of them is regular, sustainable, simple, practical Christian experience that you do all your life. And you get there and people say, my goodness, that guy is so happy. Must be his personality type. <laughs> I wish I had a personality type like that. Because I've done the personality test, you know. There's 16 of them, according to Bias Briggs. And I'm this one. That's why I'm like I am. Stop blaming your inside personality type for the reason why you can't sustain a quality spiritual life. This needs to be said. Can I pray for you guys now? Father, I thank you right now for Paul's teaching on these things and the way he unpacks this whole life of living your life for God. And that how we can get to the end of our lives and be full of your power and your spirit. Because those things keep us on track. Just while you're sitting there today, there might be somebody who's not a Christian here today or backslidden away from God. Maybe you know some of this language I've been saying. Maybe you don't. Maybe for you today, there's something tugging at your heart that says, I need change. Maybe you're out of control. And you're in church today to find some sort of control back again. It starts with knowing Jesus. It starts with asking Him into your life. It starts with getting right with Him. If today you're not a Christian or you're backslidden, you would say, Scott, I'm out of control. I need to get right with God. I need to ask Him into my life. I need to come back to Jesus. Slip up your hand right now and say, that's me. And we'll help you get started on the journey. It's a journey of successful 
spirit-filled living. Anybody like that at all? You need Jesus right now. You want to get right with him. You want to come to him. Quickly raise your hand and say, that's me. Anybody at all? All right, let me, let me talk to all of you in the church. Your eyes are closed. Friends, you have to make a decision today. You're in a great church. I mean, honestly, I go to all the best churches, and you're one of them. You're a great church. Music, young people, atmosphere. You've got the beginnings, but you must tomorrow choose to sing, change the song, learn to be grateful, thankful, sort out some stuff, and sustain that every day. So that when you come back next Sunday, the pitch and the anointing and the atmosphere is up another notch. Not because they're better on the platform, but because you're better inside. See, the atmosphere is created by us coming together. The musicians take it so far. The preacher can do so much. But when we are filled with that spirit, because we've been doing it all week, it's up in a notch. Make that decision today while you're sitting there. These three basic things. I'm going to sing and make melody. I'm going to learn to give thanks in all things. And I am going to make sure that I keep short accounts with you. I'm telling you now, leaking will stop. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.